Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and we want to explore a little bit about what his resurrection accomplished. What did his resurrection accomplish? That's what we want to address this morning. We know that Jesus is the answer to a messed up world. And when we understand that he came not only to bring life, but to raise us to life and experience it like he does, then things can change. The mess becomes a message. The messes of your life can become a message of your life that can inspire others. Zoe is the title of this series, and it's really, as I said, the Greek word for life. It actually means eternal life or God's life. It's the kind of life that God's nature possesses or produces within a person to bring change. And so when we receive the Zoe, the life of God, something changes inside of us. We can see the effects of Zoe in a person's habits and their speech and their conduct. And today we want to consider the meaning of life in light of Jesus' resurrection. And and we're going to continue to discover that life is worth living. Now, I know some people come to a place in their life where they really question, is it even worth living? But life is worth living, I assure you of that. And when you encounter Jesus Christ, that becomes a reality. Now, what we're really celebrating and focusing on is significant because today in the Christian world, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We commemorate when he was raised to life from among the dead. But for the believer, I believe it's ongoing. The personal impact of resurrection is far-reaching. See, we are born again and made alive unto God Forgiven and set free from the power of sin and eternal death. Now those are maybe some Christian phrases, but they have significant meaning. Now, and I believe that these are some of the realities of the impact of Jesus' resurrection. Now often we focus on Jesus' resurrection, on the actual event, but I believe it's Important to focus on the impact of that event or the effect of that event. And so we'll talk about that this morning as I share some truth with you from the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, open up to John 10.10. That's our theme verse for this month. We will look at that in a moment. We realize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is actually the centerpiece of Christianity. It's the central theme. It's the foundational truth of all that we believe. It's the crux of Christianity and the greatest display of God's power in the whole of eternity. Jesus' resurrection has significant implications in our life, even today in this moment. And so we understand that Jesus' resurrection is our resurrection. So the key verse that we're looking at, John 10.10, reads, The thief comes, and this is from the Amplified Bible, only in order to steal and kill and destroy. And we know who that character is. And Jesus states, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. 
So he came so we could live life the way it was meant to be lived. So we want to take a moment and pray. And as we pray, I I want us to be mindful of the tension over North Korea. We just pray for peace and safety for our troops and for that region of the world during this time. So let's join our faith together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place and to celebrate the resurrection of your son. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and glory for inspiring us so that we can live out this life in Christ that we've received. Father, we take a moment and we are mindful of the conflict over North Korea in that nation. We just pray peace. And Father, we take authority over unrest. Father, that could cause conflict. We pray for the safety and the well-being of our troops and those, Father, civilians, those that live in that part of the world. In Jesus' name, we look to you as the Prince of Peace to intervene right now. Give our officials, our president, wisdom in making the right decisions in dealing with this conflict. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we understand that he came to show us how to live. He brought a new way of living so that we could receive a quality of life that was equal to his. It was the same as his. He offered it to us. And I want to ask you a question because, you know, you might be sitting there and you've probably heard a lot of Easter messages from year to year. You've heard the story about the tomb and Jesus being there three days, three nights and all that and the resurrection. You've probably heard the story once or twice. But what is your understanding of the resurrection? And again, I want you to consider the event and the impact We see in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Apostle Paul is beginning to talk about the foundation of Christianity and what it's all about. And in verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So we, we see this here and we understand that the scripture, the Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It's a single narrative that points to one person and that one person is Jesus Christ. Now we, we look at the entire week leading up to the resurrection. It's a great narrative. And on Good Thursday, the disciples sat down and Jesus met with them and he broke bread and established communion and that fellowship, that, that call to remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And on Good Friday, when Jesus was arrested, when he was he betrayed, arrested, and then eventually crucified, It was a dark time for the disciples, for the followers of Jesus. Can you imagine having left everything to follow this man from Nazareth? And then all these promises, all these hopes, and all these dreams. And even though Jesus tried to break it to him and say, you know, I have to die. Somehow they just didn't get that part of the message. And yet when he did die, it was a shock of reality to them. Their hopes, their dreams were shattered. I can't imagine what it was like, especially for Peter who had betrayed him. 
and denial, not like Judas, but yet he denied Jesus that he ever even knew the guy and yet spent that period of time in his earthly ministry, those three and a half years with him, seeing him perform miracles, raise the dead, heal the sick, open blind eyes, and do all kinds of marvelous and wonderful things. And so then there was Silent Saturday. Now that's an interesting day, and I I believe that Silent Saturday is the greatest reminder that the silence of God does not equal the absence of God. You know, it may seem like all hope was gone and lost, and even today, I mean yesterday when we got up, it was really gloomy. I said, well, this really kind of fits the scenario for a silent Saturday when it seemed like, okay, Jesus is dead, hope is gone, what do we do? All is lost. What we've put our stakes on, it's, 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 it's all gone. But then came Resurrection Sunday, thank God, the day that Jesus triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He broke the curse of sin over humanity. And brought life, eternal life, to those who believe. Now we look at the Bible, what it says about the historical account of Jesus. We can take that up in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 2. In verse 2 it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I mean, they just, they just dropped down. Verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come and see where the Lord lay. Now, I've had the privilege to go to the nation of Israel and actually visit the garden tomb on two occasions. And there's something to go and see the place where Jesus lay. I mean, there's a presence. There's something that occurs in your heart that is hard to even describe. And so maybe one day you'll get to go to Israel with us when we plan a trip. But um, if not, you have to wait till it's all said and done, right? Um, so it's interesting when we think about the event of his resurrection and, and we know that Satan probably was having a party until that moment when Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 8 that none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't understand the resurrection. They didn't understand that Jesus was going to raise from the dead. It was a shock and a surprise to the underworld. And yet, I believe it was also a shock and a surprise to the religious leaders of Israel. And they had to conspire a story to try to counteract this amazing event. Because they were in disbelief. They were in denial, which... Obviously, that's the case today in the world. There's people in disbelief and in denial. But when we talk about his resurrection, we want to consider a couple of things. I believe, and when we look to the scripture, we see his, un- his resurrection affects our past, present, and future. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, 
the scripture reads, and we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. That relates to our past. So we're buried with him. See, there needs to be this identification with Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. When we give our hearts to Christ, when we give our lives to him, we make this connection, this identity. We become one. Now that's a mystery, and it's sometimes hard to comprehend, but it's a spiritual reality. So when we read this passage, we understand that we were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death. That relates to our past. And it goes on to say, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, folks, that's our present. That's our present. Now, think about it. Just as Christ, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, the scripture is saying, we too might walk in newness of life. That should change the way you live. When we have that kind of power resident within us, the power of resurrection gives us the power to live honorably, righteously, to serve the purpose and the will of God, to be able to love like he loves and to serve like he served. See, Christianity is unique from any other world religion because we take on the very nature of Jesus himself. That's why it was unbelievers in the world at that time that called believers Christians. The term means Christ-like. They're little Christ. They're just like Christ. We can't tell the difference between them and Jesus because of their nature, their attitude, and their lives were transformed. And see, you've heard all the stories, oh, we need to be more like Jesus or these, you know, statements. And we do. But that's God's plan. And by the power of his resurrection, he makes that possible. And it goes on to say in verse 5, if you have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's in reference to your future. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See, folks, we understand that if we don't get this, we're going to have issues. That the resurrection power of Jesus breaks the power of sin dominating our lives. Sin doesn't have to dominate you anymore. You can be set free from habits that control your life, that bring shame, that, that bring bondage and, and junk into your life. See, but we have to understand that revelation. I don't think sometimes we get it because we're still struggling with sin. And you might say, but pastor, you know, this is a struggle. Well, the resurrection power is made available to give you strength to overcome that bondage. Colossians 2.12. The second part of the verse says, and with him you were raised to new life. See, you don't go back to the old life. Who wants to go back to the old life? There's a new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the, get, from the dead. So that's where it's all at. We need to trust the mighty power of God. 
That power that raised him from the dead will also raise us. So I want to share with you the impact of, res, of his resurrection. What is the impact of his resurrection? I have three points for you. You can write these down if you're taking notes. Number one, his resurrection gives me a determined purpose. His resurrection gives me a determined purpose. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is, is talking about this thing called resurrection and how he relates to it. And in the Amplified Classic Version, I love how it reads. It starts out, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Now these are, I mean, this is, this is strong words concerning his commitment to Christ. It goes on to say, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That is Paul's heart. And that's my heart. As I read this, I, this is my heart cry as well. It goes on to say, and that I may in the same way come to know the power of flowing from his resurrection. See, apparently the Apostle Paul had some struggles so he wanted to identify and become acquainted with this power of Christ's resurrection because he knew it was necessary for him to live out his life that he needed to understand and experience this power for himself. And see, that needs to be a quest of ours as well. It goes on to say, um, and it goes on to say, the outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. See, this power is exerted, this power of Christ's resurrection is exerted over believers. And that I may so share his sufferings. See, we identify with what he suffered as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. In other words, be willing to lay your life down for the cause of Christ. And you know, it's interesting because Paul was a martyr. You know, and all the apostles were martyrs. They gave their life for Christ. They laid their lives down for him. And we need to be willing to lay our lives down for him because he laid down his life for us. Now that's sometimes hard. I don't know if I could do that. You know, there was a day that I thought I could never do that. But I realized that I could now. Because sometimes, you know, when you're in a situation, God's grace is there to get you through it. Because you don't always know how you're going to handle a situation until you're there. But God's not going to abandon you in that moment, will he? And so it goes on to say, verse 11, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me from among the dead, even while in the body. In other words, while we're in these physical bodies, we can experience that lifting power of his resurrection, that we can experience it in a tangible and a significant way. Number two, what is the impact of his resurrection? His resurrection gives me understanding. It gives me understanding of his immeasurable and unlimited power that works in us. I'll say that again because I know some of you are writing feverishly to get all this down. I appreciate those of you that take notes. I'm a note taker. Now I use it on my iPad, but it all works. It goes on to say, uh, let me say it again. His resurrection gives me the understanding of his immeasurable and unlimited power that works in us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. 
also in the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible, reads this way. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. So that power is working in us, but we need to understand it. We need to understand that it's unlimited in the potential. We need to understand it. Number three, the impact of his resurrection. His resurrection turned a bad situation around. It turned a bad situation around. So now I can live with great expectation. His resurrection turns bad situations around, and you may be facing a bad situation. His re- resurrection allows you to live with great expectation. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all praise to God, in the New Living Translation, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Now we live with great expectation. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to have great expectation. In Revelation 1.18, the scripture says, Jesus speaking, and the living one, I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. He's won, he's triumphant. He has the key to victory for you. See, Jesus was able to see beyond the cross. The problem we have in life, we don't always, we're unable to see beyond our present dilemma. Jesus was able to see beyond the cross and see the victory, the resurrection, and the joy that was set before him. You know what the joy that was set before him was? It was seeing you and I redeemed. It was seeing you and I freed from the strongholds of hell and Satan's dominion. And so that great expectation allows us to see past our present conflict. See, the devil thought he was destroying Jesus through death when in fact Jesus destroyed him by dying on the cross. His victory was not just for him, but it was for us. He did it for us. 1 John 3, 8 says that the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of of the devil. See, we have to see beyond our cross, whatever it is. Jesus saw us redeemed. That's what gave him joy to endure the pain and the struggle. My chains are gone and my debt is paid. You know, I, I think about that statement. And I want to tell you a little story here in closing. And this story is about this family in a rural community. This was back in the 50s. Uh, this was a couple that had purchased the farm and they began to farm and began to raise their family and they had a son and the son was a beautiful baby boy and then they had a second son and then they had a third son 
And so this proud dad is excited because I have all these farm workers that are going to help me one day run this farm. And so the third son, however, there were complications concerning his health and his well-being. And it was quick to notice that there were issues. So this child spent a lot of time in the hospital dealing with pneumonia, dealing with extreme allergies. And there was a point in this child's life that the, the doctor came and, and said, okay, there's nothing more we can do. And, and this doctor talked to this mom and said, mom, there's nothing more we can do for your son. You can either let him stay here because he's dying and there's nothing more we can do for him. Medical science has failed. So you can either leave him here and he can die here in the hospital or you can take him home, be with your family and he can die with you at home. So this mom packed up this little baby and began to take him home and on the drive home from the hospital back to the farm, she began to cry out to God. And she began to say, oh, God, this child does not and has not known a mother's love. I want him to know and experience a mother's love. I want him to live. And she began to appeal to God and cry out for the life of this child. When she arrived home and, and there with the family, she decided, okay, I just need to do something. So she decided to call another doctor in another hospital in a community nearby. And she gets on the phone with this doctor and begins to describe what's going on with this child. And the doctor repeated more than once, is he breathing? Is he breathing? And this mom said, yes, he's breathing. And the doctor replied, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Bring him in. And the faith of this woman was increased and strengthened and she brought this child, this baby boy, to see this doctor at this neighboring hospital in another community. And that baby boy grew up and is standing before you today. You know, in a sense, and my mother's sitting right here, a woman of great faith, and I'm thankful to her because I, I could have been dead and buried, but she fought for my life. And so in a sense, I believe God raised me to life even as an infant. Because from a doctor's standpoint, I was as good as dead. But God is faithful. I believe he's faithful here. And, you know, the problem that we have, we all have to deal with is the problem of the fall. The solution came through Jesus Christ because he identified with us in his humanity. And our response is we identify with him by believing. And so as we close this service, I'm going to extend an invitation to you because I have no idea where everyone is at spiritually in your walk with God. You may have committed your life to him. You may be serving his purpose. And that's wonderful. I know many of you are because I know you personally. But maybe here today and you say, you know, I'm struggling in my whole concept of God. I, I don't know if I believe. I don't know what I believe. And maybe you have some concerns and questions. But I'm so thankful that you're here today to hear this message and, and experience God's presence as we worship among believers. 
But I want you to understand God's intentions for your life. You were meant for better things. Maybe you're dealing with struggles right now that are not easy to deal with. You were meant for better things. See, he never intended for you to suffer heartache, pain, the bondage of sin, failure and loss, and even death for that matter. Because he is the author of life. And although we suffer these things, it was never his intent. It was a result of the fall. That's why Jesus was sent to reverse the effects of the fall so that we could find life in Christ and be redeemed so that he could restore things as they were so when we go into the next age, what we've experienced in this age will be gone, we're moved. See, we need to make decisions and you and I both have a choice. We have a free will. We can choose and make decisions for ourselves. Every waking day, we make decisions from the time we get up until the time we go to bed. We're making decisions, small ones, big ones. And wherever you are at today in your journey is a result of decisions that you've made. The decisions you've made got you where you are today, whether good or bad. Now, some people believe in fate. I believe we have a choice. In fact, you can even choose your fate. Some decisions have great ramifications and determine your future. And some have lifelong consequences. But there's only one decision that affects eternity. Only one. And that's what I want to focus on today. Have you decided to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That is the one decision that will determine your eternity. What does a decision for Jesus mean? What does it look like? It's simply surrendering your will to His. It's simply opening up your heart and inviting Him to be part of your life. If you've decided that you believe Jesus came to die for you, and if you've decided that He raised from the dead to give you a new life, then you're on the right track. If you made that decision, then, then it's just a matter of believing. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And I want to close with this passage and then lead you in the prayer. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now, I believe this is the moment between you and God. If you are here and you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. I know that I've not surrendered my life to Him. I've been just living for myself. You know, I, I may go to church, I may try to be a good Christian, but I really haven't completely surrendered my life to Him. And I want to decide today to give my heart to Him. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand so I can see it. Anyone here today, you say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to receive Him as my Lord, as my Savior, and surrender to Him. 
We're going to pray this prayer together. For any one of you that has responded in this invitation, God is going to meet you in a very significant way. Everyone can pray this prayer after me. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. He took my place in death so that I could live. I believe you raised him from the dead so that I could have new life. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. I receive you now. I surrender my life to you. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.